0: Hi, welcome to the Transition Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Goldie. Are you worried about becoming a civilian again? Have you just separated from defence or emergency services and want to minimise the stress during transition? Then this podcast is for you. We interview people just like you that are doing fine. No flyers here. These are everyday people like you who have just stepped out of uniform at some point. Our guests are candid about what they did and what worked for them. I'll bet there's some gold nuggets in there for you to model off and make your transition smoother than that might be. So let's cross live to the studio and hear today's guest. So, g'day, I'm live in the studio with Shane. How you going, Shane?
1: Good morning, Travis. So it's morning my side of the world, and so I think it's still morning your side of the world, isn't it?
0: Only just, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the whole WA and East Coast thing. I can appreciate that. I used to do some tour guide work over in WA and it was a nightmare talking to the east so <laughs> i can feel your pain um so we met many many moons ago in darwin mm. uh, when we were both a lot younger and had a lot more hair <laughs> um so you got to darwin what 95 96
1: 95 end of 95 yeah yep.
0: um and we never actually did a posting together but we certainly bounced around um together and we did IETs together as well, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's still a bunch of guys from that course I'm in touch with. So I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, a few. I bumped into a couple on Anzac Day, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I ran into one of them um, at discharge myself and was literally walking up. And went, I know you from somewhere. He's gone, you're Goldie. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Classic. And uh, I think Facebook's been great for staying connected. If, you know, everyone's scattered around the country and around the world, it's, Social media's got, at least it's got one good thing in that space, and that is, you know, you can stay connected with people. And I think like you said at the start, mate, you've been keep a a track on things and what's happening in my life, even though we haven't probably spoken in person in in years. Yeah. well, Like like yesterday, we still can just get in on a conversation and chat away, mate.
0: That's it. And um, that's Mm. what what us veterans find is that we can just go and pick up again. Yeah. Because of that shared experience.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely.
0: So, I'm going to ask you the first question. Um, everyone loves this one. Yeah. If you had a chance to say one sentence to a discharging uh, soldier, sailor, airman, police, paramedic, any of those emergency services, what would that sentence be? Oh,
1: ripper question, mate. Um, look, I, I would say with confidence that your best days are ahead of you. You know, and I think. Um, we can get caught up in thinking that, you know, we're never going to make friendships like we did in the military, you know, where, you know, we're never going to be as fit as we were. were in the military, you know, we're not going to travel the world as much as we're in the military. And, and that, that can be true true if we choose that, but there are definitely more options. And, you know, I, I definitely thought I'd never find the same mateship that I had when I was in serving, you know, that was just something I really missed. Yeah. The biggest yeah. thing when I left. Uh, and I struggled with that probably for the first couple of years. Yep. Um, but then I realized I had the opportunity to bring that same ethos to the workplace and create those friendships from scratch, you know, yep. and teach people about brotherhood, you know, loyalty, commitment, you know, having each other's back. And yep. and I think that's what's helped me a lot in my career, actually, Travis, if I'm thinking about it, you know, that creating those sort of friendships and those bonds it's helped me with business life and with working with clients, et cetera. You know, when you shake someone's hand, you look them in the eye, it's actually got meaning, yep. you know, and, and reestablishing those values that I guess our grandparents had, yeah. you know, when we when we were youngsters, you know, I was brought up that way. So um yeah, I think that would be it, mate. It'd be in a real short sentence, yep. your best days are still ahead of you. Oh, awesome.
0: Um, because you had a very, very young family um, when we met. And and you had a promising career ahead of you in defence. So, um, was without going into personal details, was what was the main reason you left at the time?
1: Yeah, great question, mate. And it's it's nice to be reflecting on that. I'm glad I didn't uh, preempt any of these questions, <laughs> mate. I would have thought too deeply about them, but. Look, and I'm really happy to be totally vulnerable to help your listeners, mate, because um, the the reason why I joined the army, because I'd gone bankrupt as a young man. You know, I made some poor decisions in regard to not having loyalty with one employer, jumping around, chasing the buck and it ended up sending me broke. And fortunate enough for me, my, I've got a real estate background. My principal was ex-military and my sales manager was ex-military. Yeah. And after I'd sort of left, he, he originally gave me the initial opportunity in real estate. After I left him, I jumped around to two other businesses and I went back to him after everything just went pear-shaped and I said, you know, Jeff, what do I do, mate? i have stuffed up. And he says, mate, you need to lo- learn about loyalty and discipline. Go join the army. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it hadn't been a, a top of mind, thought of mine. I was always envious of those two boys because they're both ex-special forces as well. So yeah. And not having a dad in my life, I really looked up to their, you know, maintaining their fitness and having good careers. But they're always talking about their old days in the army and, yeah. and stuff. And my grandfather served. And I thought, well, geez, it's a good opportunity. I was married. I had a, a young, you know, one-year-old daughter. And I thought, yeah, it is time for me to, to smarten up a bit. So I joined the military. Um, but I joined it with unfinished business in my civilian life as well. So... Mm-hmm. The military career was great and I used a lot of what I learned in civilian life to help me progress well Mm -hmm. um, in in the military side of things. And, you know, the way that things panned out, I was going to go down the infantry path, but my goal was to get to special forces. And my quickest route there was via the ordnance chain to get through my IATs to get onto the next selection course.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, And uh, so things happen for different reasons, but... I guess, you know, getting into the Ordnance Corps and, and showing some good initiative, you know, there are good opportunities to grow through that corps at the time. Um, and I think that's why my my career progressed well because I was a mature soldier. You know, yep. going in, I was 24 years of age when I joined, so I had a little bit of street smart. I had a bit of sort of common sense and uh, I guess a little bit more experience than the, my other fellow soldiers around me. So that, mm. I think, helped put me in the front a little bit in regards to moving forward. Yeah. Um, but I always come back. I had unfinished business in civilian life that I wanted to finish that I, I didn't do it as well as I could have. And the military for me gave me all the skills I needed to go back into civilian life. So um me leaving after, you know, I, I didn't I didn't quite rate meet the uh the standard to become an operator in regards to special forces, but I still got posted there Uh, and and what I learned in my journey through that time set me up really well to say, okay, I'm ready to go back to civilian life and finish the job. And,
0: um,
1: and and again, and the other side of it was financial too, mate, to be hundred percent honest with you, you know, was, you know, what I was earning in the military as a, as a Lance corporal, you know, was way below what I was used to earning in Mm. civilian life. Um, but I was saving more money because I had a smarter plan. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's the irony of it. You know, you earn more money yep. after you spend more, but you now we had a really good discipline around saving and all those habits that my boss wanted me to learn, my old boss, yep. learn about loyalty, discipline. I learned that in the military and I was able to come back and apply that uh, in my civilian life.
0: Yeah, so um, obviously with a planned separation, you went through that thought process and talked to your wife about it for quite some time. Um, so how long was the process from you first going, might get out now, uh, to actually getting out?
1: Uh, just under 12 months would have been for me. Like I'd made my decision, I think it's time for me to move on. Uh, at that time, I was posted at uh, at the regiment over here, yep. at, at Swanbourne Barracks, uh, in, my, in my core trade. Um, and there was an opportunity to head over to East Timor and it was presented to me to go over there Yep. Um, but I, I was already thinking like a civilian, you know, I was already thinking about it's time for me to get out. I want to move on. And I think that was my crossroad moment going, mm. to be honest. You know, I could have taken that deployment and probably stayed in the military a lot longer, mm. you know, or I could have, what I did do was, you know, decide and no, will pass that opportunity on to someone who's, who wants to be a career soldier. I wasn't thinking that way. And yep. to deploy when you're not thinking like a, a soldier probably would have been a bit risky. You know yep. I mean? I was already, Mapping out different ideas in my head about my civilian life, and not having my brain 100 percent on the job wouldn't have been the right thing to do for for mm. myself, for my my brotherhood, and you know, and for the for the military, all my family. So um, that process took me 12 months in the making to to get to the to actually from decision. I, I think I'm going to go to. Do you want to deploy or not? No, I'm, I'm getting out. That was a concrete decision. Then I started. Re establishing relationships back in civilian life to set up for that, um, you know, re establishment and a little bit of training as well.
0: It, it's ironic because, um, the guy that did get that Jersey, uh, Jersey, you know what I'm saying, Jersey, Jersey, <laughs> um, I'm trying to use WA terms. The yep. guy that got that trip, um, I interacted with quite a bit because I went over as ordnance attached to the fifth aviation regiment. So um, oh, ha, had And I only found that out years later. I went, oh, that's interesting.
1: There you go. There you go. go. <laughs> um, Sliding door moment, mate, my friend, that was. That is,
0: that is. It is. Yeah. Um, so what was the best thing back then you had access to to prepare uh, in terms of was there a, a resettlement cinema or money from defence or uh, did you read books and go back to the business way of thinking um, what was your preparation process?
1: Mate, it was all of the above, to be honest. There wasn't just one thing that that got me there, you know. One, it was the mental decision that I am going to be a civilian again. Yep. Um, two, I, I did start reading some books again, you know, some self-help books, some motivation books some business books to get my brain thinking back like a civilian. Yep. Three, the, um, the Defence Force was really good in in giving me some courses to – to get qualified, you know, which was great. And I, that's even better now, like some of the, the military skills now, there's, you know, companies that specialize in, in civilising those those mm-hmm. um, qualifications you get in the military. Um, I, I didn't go down that path because I was going down the, the personal trainer path. Yep. at that stage. So my skill set as a, at an ordinance level, yep. Did, really didn't really map across as a personal trainer. <laughs> um, so I, I went out and, and got fully trained as a, a, and qualified as a personal trainer and, and initially set up a, a, a personal coaching business as long as getting back into real estate.
0: Yep. Um, and I suppose I better bring it up now later on, you went, all right, I miss a little bit of this and you rejoined the reserves.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was um that was an interesting journey for me, mate, because uh it was probably about ten years, at least ten years later, I think I think it was two thousand and fourteen, mm-hmm. I re I went back into the reserves for a whole different reason. It wasn't about money, it wasn't about mm-hmm. anything else other than I'm still fit and strong. Um, I reckon I can still serve and add value. And right at that time, that's when there was a the, the terrorist threat to Australia was was high.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and I wanted to join. Um, to do some border security work. And the Pilbara Regiment over here is very active in that space. It's one of the only few reserves um, departments, or one of a better word, that carry live rounds and actually have, you know, capabilities to yeah. to, be able to defend the country. So um, that was a route I chose to take um, and decided to go back into there. And, and plus my son was thinking about getting into the military as well. And I thought, how cool would it be to to go so, with my side son, side. And, you know, and, and serve <laughs> together. And it just, you know, just to prove that I still had it, still a bit of ego and testosterone yep. floating around the body back then. Yep. Um, but yes, yeah, so I got back in, but unfortunately it didn't last too long. I was, I was in there probably about a couple of years, um, mostly still at training level. I didn't even get to deploy because I, of a, a civilian job promotion. I ended up becoming the CEO at an international level of one of the real estate brands here in Australia and, and I was flying in and out of WA weekly to different capital cities and yes. it just really took away my reserve time. So mm. uh, I had to let it slide, unfortunately. But I was still happy I uh, passed all the fitness tests and uh, yep. kept up with the young nuns out there. And it's funny, mate, when I rocked up to do my um, my fitness test, <laughs> they thought I was the PDI, I was that bloody old. I'm <laughs> 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 not, not a new recruit, it was classic.
0: Did they... Um... <laughs> Say, so, oh, we're going to have to send you back to Kapurka.
1: Yeah, That I was fighting tooth and nail not to do that. <laughs> L- luckily, there's a course uh, that you can do a, a catch up course of two weeks. Yeah, uh, with, with, with these guys. But yeah, you know, I was trying. It's one stage I was like, geez, I'm going to have to do this. So how do I map out six weeks out of my life to do yep. this? And although I wasn't doing it for the money, I still had to work, you know. So um, yeah, and it's a big
0: I, commitment um, when you've recommitted your life to. Um, all these other things, um, you have to balance that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. It was, but, but I was, I was in that mindset and I was that passionate about still serving. You know, I think once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. Um, that I, I was almost at that stage, I was ready to do it. If I didn't have an alternative, I was going to go back to complete for that six weeks and, and do it. You know, I remember there was a guy when <laughs> I went through, Mick Holt, who was, uh, he was in his 30s when I went through Kapooka the first time, and I thought, well, gee, no Holt, he can do it. I think he won the best boxer as well. So Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, back in the day.
1: Back um, in the day, mate, when you could touch people. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically,
0: I went back to Kapooka and, and did the instructor thing for a couple of years the early 2000s. Lovely. Um, and it was a very different look at the other side of the fence. The grass wasn't that much greener, I tell you. <laughs>
1: The uh, fortunate enough for me, mate. But now to live vicariously through a nephew who um, who signed up and has has uh, got a great career with one RER up in Queensland. So uh, awesome. Him and I chat regularly, which is nice. Did you
0: ever have any um, trouble saying, "All right, I'm not a retired soldier. I am because of that experience you had before defence. Um, you didn't tie your your personal identity to your job."
1: Yeah, that's a good question, mate. Um look, I still I still see myself as a as a soldier, as a former soldier, you yep. know, and I and and I'm really proud of that. Like and, and I hang my hat on it, you know, every time I wear a suit, mate, I've got some sort of pin on me that represents defence force and I look after them or was yep. a part of that. Uh and I'll never let that go. You know, i yep. um, I every t- every Anzac day I don't march myself, I march for my grandfather and his yep. brother. Yeah. Um and and I still when I apply myself to things in life, I hang on to all those great traits we learned in the military. Yep. So I approach it as a soldier, you know, whether it's, you know, having to do hard things, mm. you know, I know I've done that before and I know immensely I'm capable of doing hard things. So I, I always lean on that and I do tap into that identity of being a soldier, yep. but I've also got to balance that, that I'm not in the military anymore, you mm. know, and I've got to temper that. And a, and a great example would be when I first got out, and i had to run a, a sales meeting for a whole heap of real estate agents and uh you know what it's like in the military if you're a minute late your you might as well be half an hour late and it's yep. you know all sorts of things happen to you you get screamed at by the rsm and if you're not five uh, minutes early stopped. you're an hour late <laughs> go start painting rocks for a week mm-hmm. uh, guard duty um and so i had that same mentality anyone was late for a sales meeting man. i was just you know, face ripping there and then, and it wasn't doing me any favours because (laughs) their lives didn't depend on being on time to a meeting. They could be a little bit flexible. We still had that mentality that was drilled into us. So Mm -hmm. I had to loosen that a little bit, you know, and be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more, um, I guess, realistic with my expectations saying, well, hey, look, we can still have those standards uh, for myself. You know, and if I, as long as I'm leading from the front with those same good soldierly aspects of yep. my life, well then that'll set me up well and, and maybe inspire others to be a little bit more disciplined with their life. But I, I think once you've done it's just hard to let go of that identity, mate. Like it really is. Yeah. And it's and it's something that I don't think I want to let go. Um yep. that because it still serves me. And I but I use the the positive aspects of being a soldier rather than the negative aspects. I've learned yep. to, you know. And also, not that there's many negative aspects, but there was, I learned good and bad habits when I was in the army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you saw some of my bad habits made on a Friday night at the boozer. I, I don't want to comment <laughs> on that. I, I think the statute
0: of limitations is <laughs> still in place.
1: But, you know, but I, I've chosen to pick all the good things, you know, and there was there was 10 to one good things that I learned that I still hang on to and use yeah. uh, in, my, in my civilian life. The one thing
0: a lot of people um, talk about in psychological terms is leaving the tribe. Uh, did you experience that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That mateship that you form, it's, it's its like nothing else you can find. You can't really replicate that because there's not too many jobs in civilian life. If you're not wearing any sort of uniform, mm. your life really doesn't depend on the guy next to no. you. No. Might, you might get yelled at. Someone's emotions might get hurt but very rarely is there any physical harm or something that's going to happen to someone Mm. uh, outside of the uniform, be that, you know, fireys, police, ambos, defence force, et cetera. So when you've been trained to protect the guy next to you with everything that you've got, because they're going to protect you Mm. against physical harm and and all all harm, um, it's hard to to find that again. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's better or worse. It's just different. And I think that's the thing. I think we should be grateful that we don't have to rely on someone in that space anymore. It's a different sort of reliance and it's a different sort of tribe that you find. But the same support and friendship that you can get is still there. Like you can still get great mates um, at a different level, a different type of level, but a different sort of
0: camaraderie. Mm. I found one of the hardest things was changing the way I spoke to people instead of at people. Um, Mm -hmm. What was the hardest thing for you?
1: Yeah. Good distinction, mate. And, and that's exactly right. It's, look, some of the things work really well at like the way we're drilled in. The reason you alert this is so that, you know, all that training, you drills can still we say went, it <laughs> <laughs> um, like this, do that. Um, yeah. Look, it, it, look. I guess for me, mate, I'd already learnt one of a better word, business and corporate lingo. Yep. You know, I, I'd had five years in that sort of corporate and selling space and business space then i went to the military and learned that for the you know the, the 5 years i was there full time but then coming back i guess i had a little bit of muscle memory around how, how to speak but i can definitely tell someone who's been a career soldier who's joined at 18 and got out at you know 30 35 40 you know that, there is a way that they need to adjust their their talk and for, i don't get offended by it when i because i understand it but yeah. someone who's not used to no BS, let's just get to the point, to the truth, to the facts, let's move on. Yep. Some people need a little bit of, you know, fairy dust and rainbows around to dress it up. Yeah. That,
0: it's really hard to get used to. Um, yeah. I, I, I went and did some training stuff on the outside and that was a, a real learning curve for me um, was to work at the, the pace of the trainees, not the pace of the training.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, love it. Great yeah. distinction.
0: What was the easiest thing for you about getting out? Like, did you, had you already gone, all right, this is the job I'm going to go to, applied for jobs and had that financial security in the back of your head squared away?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I was fortunate enough. Um, the original boss that I spoke to that I left and came back and he talked. I ended up working back with him. Yep. Um, and he understood that, you know, although I was going into a sales environment, which is typically commission only, he put me on a salary to allow me to transition you know because I was used to getting a fortnightly pay with the military. Yep. He was able to set up a structure for me to be able to do that because he backed me to be, you know, a good a good soldier for him, or one yeah. of the better words, a good salesperson. Um but I yeah, I think having my career path and knowing my passion that I wanted to follow at that time was fitness and real estate. I was gonna real estate was going to fund my fitness and and um coaching life. Um, so I knew, and, and, and I guess it was a bit easier for me because I already had that prior and I had that unfinished business. So going into that, I had a clear vision and a clear mission what I wanted to achieve,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I came back hungry, uh, but there was no favors. He put me at the bottom of the ladder again, mate. I had to climb from, yep. uh, all the way back, but that was good for me, you know? And, it, and I think that was, that was a good part. Um, I guess, uh, it, being back at home and around family was good as well. Um, That was easy for me to come back to, you know, I already had my wife or had our second child Um, by then, you know, we had a third on the way. Uh, So getting back around family was good and that was really helpful for me. Um, But yeah, I guess having something clear and definitive to go to made my transition easier. Had I left and didn't know what to do with myself, I could very easily and my work with veterans with the motorcycle club that we set up, I see those that have come out and got nothing to go to and they spiral the wrong way. Then they try to numb it with grog and then this gets worse and then the spiral gets worse. So having that sense of belonging and a sense of purpose was critical. And I think that's what made my transition easy because I had that unfinished business in my previous career. So what
0: empowers you now? A lot of people go, well, I want to serve. Um, What have you turned that into?
1: Um. Look, I think the first thing we've got to do, Trav, is we've got to serve ourselves. You know, we've got to be true to ourselves. We've got to have an integrity with ourselves. you know, and I think before we can start serving others, we've got to make sure we've looked after ourselves, number one. Get ourselves right. Um, get little wins. Follow through on promises to ourselves. They don't have to be big promises. They can be little ones that we can build from there, from that space there. Um, I, I'm probably more proud of the work I've done outside of the military with military people than what I did yep. in the military with military people. And uh, and I say that because I've been very fortunate enough to do some work with veterans and our modern day veterans in the motorcycle club that we set up uh, over here in WA and to be able to help them to have that sense of belonging again, uh, to have that sense of purpose and serving in a different, oh, totally different environment but have the same familiarity of being in the military yep. uh, has helped me with my sense of purpose and, and serving. and that's now growing to helping men in general. Now, like I do a yep. lot of work now in men's mental health in my own time.
0: I was going to say, tell me about steak sandwiches.
1: Yeah. And so that's, that was the next progression. Cause what I did see in the, with the motorcycle club, uh, and, and I have to say that the military brotherhood military motorcycle club is around Australia. It's formed on the East coast. I opened up the chapter over here in, in Western Australia, what we call sub branch, good, good military terms. Yep. Um, and that progressed to me seeing it was, wasn't just veterans that need a hand in in men's mental health, but it's a, a bigger problem out there for all the society. And so I thought, what can I do? And there was all these challenges going around, do push-ups for men's mental health and stuff all like that, awareness, which was great. But I'm, I am want to go that next level. I'm a very practical person and, and I can't be half pregnant. I've got to be all in. And so <laughs> I said, well, what, what can I do? And, and although I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, I you can probably see behind me, I do a lot of reading, a lot of... Um, study in because in, of my own challenges and I will share some of them with you, but I wanted to be able to do more. And one thing I know is that good men's mental health starts with getting a good community around you and being social. Yep. You know, the, the biggest trap that we have is if we sit on the couch, drink a six pack of beer every night, watch the same dumb TV shows and we eat, sleep, work, repeat, and we get into that rut. The idea of the steak sandwich men's get together was, you know, once a month, get out of the house, get out of your bloody pyjamas and your ugly boots, put a pair of jeans on a T-shirt, let's meet at a pub. You don't have to have a beer. You, you can if you want, but it's about getting around, having a steak sandwich, having a chat, you know, and just really breaking that cycle and, and getting some community and, and being social again is the key to that. So um, that's been going now a couple of years now, the steak sandwich men's get together. And, yep. um, you know, ideally I'd love to see it around the country at some point.
0: Oh, I know a guy that would love to run it over here. <laughs> it's a great it steak.
1: A good steak sandwich. And look, I've had vegans join and they have the salad. That's all good. It's, it's good. The steak sandwich is the metaphor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for thousands of years, you know, men have, have got together around a campfire, broken bread, yeah. shared stories, had some laughs, and solved problems. You know, this is just that modern day version of it.
0: Yeah, one of the things that um, I worked as a tour guide for many years, owned my own tour company, and I always had this ache to do uh, veterans going into the desert, sitting around a campfire. Um, I never served in the Middle East, so the, the desert's not a problem for me, so I can see that yep. being a problem for um, Middle East vets. But I get this, you know the red sand I'm talking about here. When you get into that country, you get into the Pilbara, around the Spinifex, Um, you feel grounded. Mm. And, and that's something I always wanted to pass on to veterans, and I'm still, still cracking on in the background, but we'll get there one day.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a wonderful. You know, there's there's so many benefits about getting outdoors, getting vitamin D into you. Yep. You know, the amount of studies around that at the moment. You know, we're so as earthlings, we're depleted of vitamin D because we're stuck indoors under artificial lights, etc. Yep. You know, I, I purposely have my window open to get natural light. That vitamin D just helps you feel good. Yep. Helps you part of your processes of your body work a lot better. And I uh, think and then getting outdoors and and getting it feet into the sand and the sunlight, mm. man, that's, that's, that's therapy that, you'd, that anyone would benefit from.
0: One, one of the mistakes that I drove myself into, I lived in my entire career, 12 years, lived in the lines. Um, and at that point, they were starting to get rid of the married patch where all the married quarters were in one spot. And I I really was frustrated by that. I'm like, that's our little community. Um, (laughs) But what I see retrospectively now is by shutting down the barracks and shutting down that, you have to, as a young soldier, have neighbours that are civilians and have interactions with them. Um, And I'm hoping that that culture inside defence has served people well.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, I was... Fortunate enough, as you know, I lived on the RAF base and um, up in Darwin and had a brand new little, you know, three bedroom, two bathroom townhouse, which I think I went up there recently. And the whole place has been it's demolished. it
0: yep. yep. Yeah,
1: it's all gone now, but that was great. And we made good friends with neighbors and, you know, mm. I even hung out with some Raffies, which was, uh, which was.
0: Yep. <laughs> they're weird, but they're all right.
1: <laughs> they're all right. No, mm. that was great. You know, it was good that we had sailors, we had Raffies, we had Army. You know, it was a, it was a, the community was really good. And, mm. As a young man, my the hardest thing for me about being posted away up in Darwin was not so much for me, but it was for my wife.
0: Yeah, you know, being a young bride, family.
1: taken away from her family, with young kids, um, she struggled, you know, yeah. and it was hard for her. And if it wasn't for the friends up there that, that she made, mm. um, you know, she, stopped, she suffered with a bit of, um, you know, postnatal depression, and that was one of my motivators to get us back to Perth, and yep. the selection course was one of those ways to get, get us there. So, you know, that was hard on her. So I think even fr- from a soldier's perspective and those that are married, their partners can really suffer as well from that. So that community thing is is massive, mate.
0: Yep. Um, what skills did Defence give you that one point in your civilian career you went, you know, Defence gave me something really valuable there that I'm using today, and that surprised me.
1: Uh, mate, I, I can't pinpoint one. I can pinpoint a couple. Yep. Um, personal leadership is this paramount. You know, as a soldier, you learn not only to, to work as a team, but you, you, are, you have your own personal leadership. You are relied upon to do your job, whatever that is, whether it's cooking, mechanic, shooting, you know, fixing, driving you have to do your job at your best ability. It's up to you to do that. Mm. So I think personal leadership was one. Um, taking responsibility, you know, comes with that, which I think is a big part. And um, and, and that's, so that's personal leadership, but then also the natural leadership skills. Yeah, even as a digger, you, uh, you can walk out of the military, and I'm proof of that, But right? I, I reached the dizzy heights of Lance Corporal, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah. I've got to lead international organisations without any other qualification other yeah. than I've served in the military and I've been a leader, yeah. you know. So uh, the leadership skills from the ground up, I think, are uh, invaluable. And civilian folk who have got no military experience mm. love ex-military people. They straight away think of discipline, loyalty, commitment, leadership, reliability, you know, and they're all those attributes that uh, I've made sure I've uh, applied you know, and continue to grow. Because you learn them there, but then you can also enhance them. You know, yeah. that's the other thing. You know, you then civilize them, then you put a turbo on the side and you, you, you take them to a whole other level.
0: I found that um, because of the personal levels of motivation that soldiers have, they can make really fired-up entrepreneurs. Mm. Have you seen any of that?
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, my first boss was my example of that, Jeff. Ran his own very successful real estate business uh, and continues to this day. You know, he's still running a a brand over here in WA and still doing well. Uh, I had a couple of uh, veterans that came work with me, Ray uh, came, Radio Ray. He came work for me and made a great uh, career in real estate. He's done well. Um, You know, there's, there's other examples, but definitely, you know, in all different fields as well. I mean, the go-to is, You know, obviously sometimes it's security work and things like that and the the fitness industry. Yeah. And most of the guys going there have done very well. Um, I've got another mate, Brent, who's doing some work with Indigenous people and he's done really well in that space. Yeah. So there's lots of examples of it, you know, and definitely those. I think your military skills aren't the pinnacle. They're the foundation which you can build a magnificent career on outside of the military.
0: Um, let's get into the heavy stuff now. Do you still struggle with physical and mental health issues from defence?
1: Um, look, for me, Trav, um, I was fortunate enough not to have had been deployed overseas, so I I never saw some of the atrocities and experienced some of the you know the difficult things our men and women went through. Um, however, I still and not as much the in, in recent years, but not but probably up until in my mid forties, no, not, not that long ago, self-worth was a big one for me. Like I really struggled with self-worth, um, not being good enough. Yeah. Um, all those things that came with um you know, working around elite people and I never quite got there.
0: Yeah.
1: Now that that was a hard one for me. It's a different sort of mm. struggle. Um, you know, you know, a bit of regret for not pushing the boundaries a little bit more, trying a little bit harder. Mm. Some of those things, um, you know. And then, and then for me, I, I went down the path of you know probably drinking a bit too much. I, I was never an alcoholic, but I definitely had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And, and when I catch myself at my lowest times, it's because I'm drinking too much and I've stopped learning. You yeah. know, for me, that's that for me is my Achilles heel. Um, fortunate enough for me, I've been really diving deep on a personal journey level in the last probably five years around mental health, human performance, et cetera. And it's put me in a place that I am far better off where I was five years ago. Even though I'm five years older, I'm actually yep. a bit of stronger, healthier because I'm making better choices now and I'm sharing those choices. But look, there's still times where I'll wake up uh, at night with – you know, geez, Shane. You, yeah, you, you've got this imposter syndrome, is what they call it. Where yep. I don't, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm just not good enough for me. I don't have the skills. I don't, I don't have the qualification. I don't have the bit of paper. Mm. You know, and that that haunts me not as much as it used to because I see the evidence of what I'm doing is making a difference. But I still struggle with that. But I've got good breathing techniques I go through now. I've got good affirmations that I use, and I've got good personal routines. That I can get back what I call above the line really quickly, you know. And I, I talk yep. about this in you know, a coaching, you know, when I train others and for myself. There's this line that you can either live life above the line or below the line. Yep. You know, it's an old NLP model which I've and I'm happy to share it with you, mate. You can share it with your listeners. It's talks about below the line's all about being reactive, blaming, making excuses, being in denial, worrying about your ego, and it's all coming from fear. And we all drop below the line. Mm. Above the line is all about being proactive, taking responsibility, um, you know, coming from love, being proactive and and taking ownership of your life. And as long as we're living 80% or more above the line and knowing when we do drop the line, how do we get back above it? You know, and those moments when I drop below the line and those struggles, I know I'm there and I've got good routines and rituals, which gets me back above the line, uh, which is a much happier place to be. I'd rather be coming from love and ownership and proactive rather than fear and reacting side yep. of things and for some um it's not knowing that you're below the line is is most of the problem yep. you know but then knowing that you're there that you're halfway there of getting back above it you know mm. a problem well defined as a problem well solved half solved and if you know you're, you're there it's in okay what do i need to do to get it back above it you know and knowing that you're going to oscillate between the two and that's okay because it's humans yep. we're designed to have the think worst case scenario that's how we progress what's kept us alive for thousands of years yeah uh, as a species but it's about taking control of that thinking and using good techniques to get yourself back above the line but yeah my look I, I don't struggle as much as i used to yep. um and I've, I've removed those things in my life that amplify those struggles and, and I'm, I'm a better human for it yeah I,
0: i'm gonna drop a bomb not to impress the listeners to but to impress upon them, I've spent, I've had 15 admissions um, to lockside Woods. wards. I, I have struggled absolutely. And yeah. I've come to this realisation that when, when you talk about getting below the line, I'm like a car that needs a tune-up. I'm, I'm not doing something bad. I am not bad. I am not mad. I'm just yeah. sad and yeah. I need a reset. Uh, And to get that reset, I go into um, Greenslopes private hospital, into their Keith Payne unit, and that's where I reset myself. Um, And people around me are very tuned into when that needs to happen. Um, Early on, they could be four or five-month admissions. Uh, Now, they can be four or five weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I am committed to telling people when and how I do that to normalise mental health being a problem myself. 100%
1: 100% mate. Look, it's, it's, it's definitely, thank goodness it's lost its stigma, mental yeah. health now, you know, it's a, people know it's a real thing. It ha, it's, it's not just a new thing, it's always been a real thing, you yeah. know, and that whole, you know, toughen up, have a bag of concrete, you know, all those sorts of things which, you know, we've been taught to fight through as men and as soldiers yeah. and as Defence Force people, but even just as men in general, we're told to toughen up, don't show your emotions, you know, all those sorts of things have not worked for us; have worked against us, yep. in many cases. You know, and I think the more that we can be vulnerable, you know, being vulnerable and 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 is is a sign of strength, not a weakness. You mm. know, and say, hey, I do need a hand; I'm sticking my hand up. Give me a hand, and then what that does, it gives people around you the opportunity to step up and be in their strength to help you. You know, and that's that's a good thing. And mate, hats off to you for bringing being open and honest about that, trap because you know I see it when you when you when you're in that space, yep. I see it on there and I know what's going on and I understand that. And and he's exactly right. We all drop below the line using my metaphor. Yep. Um, it doesn't mean you're like you said, you're not bad. You haven't done anything wrong. You yep. just you drop below the line. You just we've got to have our own routines of rituals to get ourselves back above the line and knowing that we're there, okay, I'm there. It's like, okay, I've got a cold. Okay, what do I need yep. to do to be healthy again? I've yep. uh, I've got, you know, diarrhoea. Okay, I'm below the line. What do I need to do? I've got to I do that. I've, you know, I've, I've eaten too much food. Okay, what I need to get back above the line? It's all those yes. things. It's the same with when, you know, you, you've got the thoughts that are running out of control and the old monkey mind's going crazy. Mm-hmm. How do I get the monkeys to shut up and settle down and, so, you know, start focusing on the, the good things?
0: I made a mind that a veteran was recently diagnosed as a diabetic. Um, he's also got PTSD. And he's like, oh, well, this is heaps easier. And I'm like, why is PTSD or mental health different to diabetes? You've been diagnosed with something, you have to test yourself and take the drugs you need to change the chemicals in your body. Is that different to depression? Mm, mm, it's not a great analogy, mate, it? Is it? W- yeah. Would you not take your insulin for a month and then go? Oh, I wonder what's going wrong. Let's treat it. This it's just chemicals. Let's yeah. Let's make those chemicals. However, you need to make the dopamine, the serotonin, yeah. whatever. Whether it's exercise or whatever it is, um, let's yeah. get that shit supercharged.
1: Hundred percent, mate. Right now, I'm, I'm really into some really cool, cutting edge stuff, and it's. The term is called biohacking. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about living longer and um, and everything in our bodies are driven by our hormones, which are driven by our mitochondria. And they and, and feeding them and making sure they're healthy mm. just has dramatic health benefits. Yeah, not just physical health but mental health, etc. So, uh, look, I can't wait to be fully immersed in this. So I can share it. Look, I don't want to share things I'm not fully immersed in or tried myself. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm a human guinea pig right now. I'm I'm about six weeks into some, you know, different techniques and things. Man, I'm in a really good space, focus-wise, health-wise, sleep. Man, sleep is just sleep is more important than diet and exercise. Yep. Like particularly at our age. Yeah. You're a bit younger than me, but if you're not getting good quality sleep, that just stuffs up. You'll end up eating wrong. You won't have the energy to exercise. So, um, you know, I was, I was carrying a few extra kegs. Earlier this year, after my back surgery last year, and I hadn't been out the track. I mean, that's there's a whole nother rabbit hole we can go mm-hmm. down. But you know, exercise for me is one of my um feel good therapies. Yep. You know, I had back surgery beginning of last year, and I hadn't been able to do any exercise for eight months. I put on the weight over COVID. Yeah, just really was not in a good place. Um, But going through this this stuff that I'm trying right now, the the, the initial results are fantastic. man. like I dropped. 10 kegs in three weeks yeah. and had super amount of energy and stuff like that. So once I've got it clear, love to jump back on the podcast and maybe share some of these stuff with you. Absolutely. Mate, Absolutely. the End of the year, mate, where I can say, Hey, it's worked for me. This is what I did. Try it on for size and see if it works for you.
0: Yeah. And what I want to do with this podcast is show people what others have done and you can take what works for you from that. Think of it like a set of spanners. If you need the 17 mil, you find the guy that's using a 17 mil and you grab that and you Mm. disregard the guy with the 19 mil spanner because it doesn't fit your bolt, but you've got to find the right spanner.
1: Yep. So true, mate. And look, I guess I'm attracting a certain clientele in my life, mate, which are typically blokes around my age, give or take five or 10 years. Yep. And, And they're attracted to me because they like the way I speak and, they, and I'm relatable. It's the same. Like when I want to get a coach or a trainer or someone in my life, I'm going to gravitate someone that's around my age, that's done it, that yep. I can as, aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I may not be relatable to a 25 year old veteran, mm. uh, but to a 45, 50 year old, someone will go, yeah, I get this guy. guy's family. He's got kids. He's got grandkids, you know, and he's looking healthy and he's doing well. I'd like to be able to do that as well. And that's that's I think that's the important bit. And then from there, you might get even closer to the right tools. Yep. Uh, but but not taking away from some of the experts that are younger than us or haven't served. Let's not take because some of those people are, are super bright and have done things. And I think that's really important as well that, you know, the people that can help you aren't necessarily the ones, just the ones that have served. There are some really good medical practitioners and therapists out there that may not have served, but they don't need to. And the analogy I would think would use, mate, would be, do you think – Hussein's Bolts running coach was a faster runner than him. No. <laughs> nah, you know, yeah. Tiger Woods' golf coach could play a better golf. No, he yeah. couldn't, you know, but you could learn from him and they look at things from a different perspective. And yeah. I think yeah. wherever you can get that help from that serves you, you know, that that's the right fit.
0: Yeah. Um, the guy that I am interviewing immediately after this was my CO at one point. Um, mm. ah. In the aviation world, he's a guy that... I looked at very differently um, and we've had some conversations recently and I'm like, yeah, they're people too. Mm. Um, And and people forget that in the military that just because somebody is an officer or a sergeant or whatever else um, doesn't mean that they're better or worse than you, but they've just got different experiences.
1: Absolutely, mate. Have you you heard Major John Cantwell speak? Yeah. Yeah. Mate, he, he, he was probably the pioneer of sticking your hand up saying, yeah guys I' out a hand i'm I'm not fit I'm just not ready to be the governor general yeah yeah you know that yep. you know, it doesn't get more profound than that you know and bring mm. some awareness to it and even in the early days of that he was told to harden up and yeah he don't mind he's saying like oh, this 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 is not true. i'm I'm a major how can I be bloody yeah you know, struggling you know and that was that was a really good thing. I got him to speak in front of you know two thousand real estate agents and they all just got it you know wow that was a it was pretty compelling so Mm. uh, there's some good definitely some good examples out there
0: yep um here's a a question you've probably already answered but i'll I'll tick it off because some people like it asked if you could put a uniform back on tomorrow at rank and seniority would you nothing else being a consideration not money not anything else but you could be in the army as an operator for you
1: yes (laughs) Yep. yes yeah No problem. I
0: loved it. It was a great lifestyle. Yep. Um, and if World War III started, would you sign up tomorrow?
1: Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm fit and strong and I can serve. I can still strip and assemble a, a style. I, I do it in my head every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: remember we used to do a sort of dance at the um, – don't go there, Trev. Don't go there. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk post – military stuff. What was the highlight of your post separation career?
1: Um, look, there's been a couple obviously my family and my kids and my grandkids. Uh, they're the no brainers. You know, that's, that's why I do what I do in any life is to provide a great life for them and make sure I've brought some good earthlings into, into the world, which, which I've done. They've all, you know, they're all different ways. They're serving a different way. My youngest son, Cooper, he's in, he's in aged care. Courtney, my daughter, who, who was up and she became become a nurse. Yep. Um, my middle son, Jordan, he's just been accepted into police force. So he marches in on the, the 16th of this month. Yep. Uh, my oldest son, Shane, he works way up. He's a fly flying fly out, you know, working on the, the maintenance of the vehicles up there side of things. Um, so we all serve, you know, and I'm really proud of my kids. Uh, I'm really proud of the work I'm doing with veterans. You know, the motorcycle club that we started over here in WA, Although I'm not a part of it anymore, it's still growing. Um, and I was really honoured just recently; they've proposed that I become the patron of their charity, which was really nice that they they mm. thought of me to do that. I'm yep. um, enjoying my work that I'm doing with men's mental health. Um, you now, having the number one real estate office in the country was was I was pretty proud of that. You yep. know, and that was you know a. You know, and then becoming a CEO of a brand, you know, a Lance Corporal, you know, all those <laughs> 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 yeah. leading a, a bunch of people that were probably more qualified than me was, that was pretty proud. Um, and I guess the other big one was I actually did a charity event and I bought Richard Branson for an hour, it cost me $80,000 for an hour of his time. Yep. And um but we put on this breakfast and uh, we end up raising hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a, a kids charity over here, which was pretty cool, you know. Yep. So it was a punt that I went with. Uh, I didn't have the eighty thousand dollars cash. I just <laughs> took the pump that I was <laughs> gonna get enough money out of the event. So yeah, I could have been in getting dragged behind Richard Branson's spaceship, you know, as bloody as fuel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's been some good things, mate, and um, I, I'm, I'm, oh, and probably the big one, mate, is right behind me, the book. I yep. wrote a book, and that's, that was a 10-year goal, which I always wanted to do. Um, and it was going, it was originally going down the whole men's mental health space, but I ended up broadening it and being a lot different and available to probably tick a lot of people's boxes in regards to believing that their best days are ahead of them. And I'm really proud of that book. And I reckon I've got another one in me. I, I hopefully will write another book in the next sort of five years um so I'm just getting what that'll be on, but I, it'll be all about the inner game. Now winning that inner game and a yep. book that's gonna help people is is what I wanna do.
0: We better put a link to that in the show notes. Um hopefully yeah, you've, you you've got like a shanekempton.com or something, do you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, exactly it. <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll whack that in there because um Thanks, obviously now that people have spoken to you, um, they've got more of a connection than reading the back of the book and, and they'll understand what they're in for uh, in a very different way. Um, and this isn't about selling the book. It's about getting that information out to people. Yeah. absolutely. Um, the, the next one I, I ask, I'm going to have to ask it traditionally and then refocus it. Um, because you're just going to say, yes. Uh, when I say, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Now I want to put this in the frame of a soldier that's just gotten out and is going to start a business. Um, let's put it in that mindset.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And look, the, the best example I can use is when I the, when I first got out of full time military, I went. Obviously, I had my fitness career that I was focusing, but I the, what was going to fund that was being a good real estate salesperson. And but I just didn't want to be like everyone else, so I decided to do it a bit differently. And I got known as the the, the Clarkson Commando. So all my marketing was based around my military career. So I used yep. to go door-knocking in my parade boots, still had the shaved head. I was still really fit back then, yep. and uh, and I positioned myself that way. No one else had ever done any sort of marketing like that before, so I was just breaking ground out there, breaking out of the traditional old sort of 50-year-old real estate agent suit and tie. I was out in the polo with the guns out, yep. you know, the parade boots on and knocking on doors saying, hey, get on, the Clarkson Commando. You know, you can trust me. I've come from the military, rah, 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 yeah. and uh, that worked really well for me in that space. And that this gave me an appetite to really leverage what I'd learned in the military and use it, you know, not to be a, a embarrassed by it or uh, ashamed or, or or anything, but actually leverage it and say, hey, you know, I'm an ex-soldier and I've got certain skills that other people don't have and yeah. I've got a certain temperament other people don't have. And I use that in there. I've, I've used it to position um, myself as a leader. You know, yeah. like I said, I don't have any civilian MBAs or university degrees, right? I've got a TAFE diploma, son, a TAFE diploma. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't even have that when I first started, but yep. I, I yep. used, I leveraged what I'd learned in the military. And I said, look, I know about communication, I know about discipline, I know about loyalty, I know how to build a team. Mm. You, know, and if you know, if you've got those four things, loyalty, commitment, discipline, know how to build a team, um, you are a valuable asset yep. in the civilian world. You know, and 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 then so that's I guess is that sort of from an entrepreneurial point of view. I really leveraged what I'd learned in the military, and still do to this day. Like I'm still I still yep. leverage it.
0: I find a lot of, um, and it's probably police and ambos and that as well. From the ones I've spoken to so far, they under seal. The skills that they have learned, they don't, they go, oh, well, that doesn't map across in RPL to mean something. I've got a certificate three in transport and logistics. It means fuck all. Like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I've got half a dozen of these cert threes that the army gave me on discharge yeah. that don't really mean anything. But I've got a bunch of runs on the board when, because people don't know what a recruit instructor is. But when I say I spent four years as, as a drill sergeant, yeah. People get that and they go, well, you're a type X person, Um, you'll fit in here. Um, yeah. And I think people fail to to throw that at prospective employers or business partners and go, you know, I managed a nine-man team 24 hours a day for three months um, while they were carrying live ammunition. It, and it doesn't matter about the context of that. Everyone in every corps is carrying live ammo when they're on operation. So... Um, you might have been a cook in that situation, but that's a pretty high-stress environment. When you say, I deployed a kitchen as a chef into a war zone and I owned that shit and people loved the food that I provided from the shit rations the army gave me, imagine selling that to a restaurant owner.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah, give me some yeah.
0: good produce and a really good shop and I will make wonders for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, mate, mate our fitters and turners, mate, they are incredible people.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Remember old Wayne? He used to make all sorts of stuff out of a 10-man ration pack. Wayne Southern.
1: Yeah. It's so true. I think for the listeners out there, don't be embarrassed. Don't think you, people are going to laugh at you. You know, you know, it, it's about you've got to run your own race. and it's, You've definitely got some skill sets that can't be written down in a certificate no. that can be definitely verbalised and articulated in a way that positions you the way you should be positioned. That is a highly trained individual that's got discipline and skills that the average person on the street doesn't have.
0: Yep. And, and some of the responsibilities you're given, even as a digger, uh, mm. for millions of dollars worth of equipment in high-stress environments, you don't undersell that. I know yes. we want to be humble, um, mm. but there are times to sell
1: yourself. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, have you got any
0: advice for somebody that's getting out that's never done business stuff about having a crack at a side hustle?
1: yeah look, Jesus so so many great opportunities now with the internet Mm. side of things Uh, if you're half savvy on your on your mobile phone or on a computer or a laptop um, you know an example would be would be my daughter and her partner just set up a little side hustle selling baby paraphernalia dummies bibs because they're about to have a baby my daughter's going to be on maternity leave they need a bit of extra cash yep but they've um they, they buy the stuff not from Amazon. What's that other big one? Um, Alibaba. Alibaba. I think it might be Alibaba. You're one of those ones. Where they buy the stuff and sell it here in little pop up stores, you know. Yep. And they're making sort of three to five hundred bucks a day mm. um, when they have the pop up store. So yep. I, I would think definitely there's plenty. And you don't have to spend money on these courses. There's some great stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Like go go down that rabbit warren, search some good people in there around running courses. You can pay to do courses. Otherwise, there's a heap of free content on there, mm. and then get the military to help you find a good course to study. But, you know online selling is a heap of stuff. Um, you know, have a think about what you enjoy doing in the military. You know, yeah. if you if you enjoy the communication side of things and setting up your your, your, your comms, etc., then there may be a job on a, a mine site or a um, you know running a, the internal communications for a large business. Mm. Uh, if you enjoy the logistics side of things, it, I mean, logistics is is a big thing, you know, particularly now in this world of COVID. Yep. Uh, moving stuff around it's it's a highly skilled job now that mm. can be paid. Um, if you enjoyed fitness, God tell me there's so many people out here that need a hand with their fitness and nutrition side of things. And if you've always prided yourself being fit and healthy in the military and you want to continue that, think of a career in that space.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, there's a great young guy from the um, the regiment that's got a CrossFit gym here, and he he asked me. 10 years ago to help him with his business plan and that business is still going great, you know, probably because he didn't, uh, because I didn't help him with the business. plan. (laughs) (laughs) He's still going strong. Um, So, yeah, I would think, look at the things that you're passionate about. Uh, And here's the thing, and here's a a really important point. People talk about your why and your passion and all those sorts of things. And, you know, people say, oh, I'm living in my passion, you know, I'm working my why now. You're not born with that. It's it's an architectural thing, not a not an archaeological dig. It's not something you find inside. You create a why and you create a purpose by just pursuing things that you enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people get lost, they get hung up. Well, I haven't found my why yet. I haven't found my purpose, particularly those that leave the military. You know, it's even more so. And if they haven't had any other experience, I uh, say, so, oh, yeah, you found your why, you found your. You don't find it. It's it's a you 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 create it. It's a, it's an architectural thing. You design it yourself. If you love driving four-wheel drives in the desert, you created a business around being a tool guide side of things.
0: Yep. I love,
1: you know, keeping fit, trying to find optimal performance in people, in myself, and now I do that when I coach other people, yep. you know. Um, so that's what I would say, I'd say. Have a think about the things you enjoy. Even the thing you might enjoy reading things in there. There may be a career around, you know, um, can I tell you there is a, if you're good at the boozer telling a great story. Um, <laughs> Start a podcast. You? corporate are paying big bucks to people to help them create a story around their business side of things, you know, so storytelling because people buy into stories, you know, people listen to this podcast because they're hearing my story and your story. You know, so if you're a good storyteller, there's a career into that. So whatever you enjoy doing, there is an opportunity to make revenue out of it. Now you may not make all your revenue out of that initially. You may have to have something else. You may be, doing some brick paving. You may be wedding some guards. You might be mowing lawns. You might be doing writing, you know, reports, eventually become an author yourself. But yep. have that thing that you enjoy doing and just start, think big, start small, act now, is what I would suggest. Yep.
0: One of my side hustles, I own a tractor that's got a slasher behind it. And I don't do that because it makes a million dollars. I do it because sitting on a tractor is so cathartic. You get Ooh. on it. You do a bunch of laps for a couple of hours and then you see what you've done. And that's something that it's very hard to do in in a lot of modern jobs is you don't see the fruit of your labour. When you look out at somebody's paddock that you've just mowed or you've just seeded or you've just ploughed, I don't make millions of dollars doing that, but I make my mind right.
1: Mm, mm, Perfect. Love it, mate. Um, So...
0: So I would highly suggest to people that think about mowing as a side hustle. The barriers yeah. to entry as a mowing guy on Facebook are so low. You've already yeah. got a mower at home and a whippersnapper. Why don't yeah. you make a few bucks off your neighbours? Go, I'll do your lawn. I'll make it yeah. look fantastic. It'll be the greenest, freshest, best lawn you've ever seen.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and it could even be that, um, I know it's not the question you asked asking, but a, a side hustle could also be a side passion it could be working with animals. Yeah, you know, what I mean? you might go volunteer at a dog shelter, at a cat shelter, you yep. know, on a farm. You know, and that might be therapy in itself. Just if you if you're not right, if you're not feeling like things aren't clicking, maybe that's what gives you a bit of peace and helps you. You know, you know, instigate your parasympathetic, you know, nervous system just to settle down. Yep. It could be doing a little bit of sight, and that feels good too. you volunteering, sense of belonging, that sort of thing, and then your main, your day to day gig may not be your passion, but that funds your mortgage and everything else you need to do. And you've got this other side thing that's passionate about giving back that helps you um, feel like you're still contributing and, and serving. Mm.
0: And there's a thousand ways to make other income streams in the modern digital economy. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Maybe I should get a little reading list off you. Of your top 10 books to give to ex-soldiers.
1: Yeah. Oh, look, well, that's, <laughs> it's, it's a tough question because it depends what they want, to, want out of it. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, but I, like I said, I, I'm an avid reader. I probably listen to more audio books now than what I do reading books. Yeah. Cause I, I, I therapy for me is on the treadmill or on the cross trainer with an audio book in yep. listening to a, something educational. That to me just supercharges me beyond belief. Like I'll get off there more pumped than yep. what I did started, you know, with good ideas. You've got the endorphins flowing, you know, um, F is throwing in your brain so your ideas are just clicking you right in your front human brain there rather than your reptilian brain and it's just creation is good so that that works good for me Maybe just going for a walk with you with your but listen to good books there are some good books out there, and I'm happy to provide some some reading lists based on different criteria uh, I'll tell you one of the a game-changing book that came out a couple of years ago was a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear and it just talks about the power of our rituals and our routines and we are creatures, excuse me, creatures of habit. We all know that. And we may set a new goal, but we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our routines and habits and systems. So if you want to change your goals or change your outcomes, you've got to look at changing your routines, habits and rituals to get a different outcome. And that book there is, one of those real game changes just explains it so clearly about the power of ritual, but where those rituals and routines come from is our identity. Yeah. You know, so ultimately you've got to think of that identity, which will change that, which will change that.
0: Yep. Uh, During the the tractor thing and before in the tour business, um, I used to have days of transit time where I'd I'd finish a tour in Cairns and have to be in Darwin and i would be driving a 10 ton four wheel drive truck with nobody else in it. And I did exactly what you said. I would put on an audio book or a podcast. And the information that you get from that, I I did it all about Australian explorers and Australian history and geography and geology and and all these subjects that I didn't do in a classroom. Mm. And that's how I learnt that stuff. And there's no reason um, you can't walk around the neighbourhood at night with your dog and have a set of headphones on and, and, and be building yourself.
1: Yep, so true, mate. You're like me, mate. I, I wasn't interested in history when I was in school, mate. Who wants to know about people that are things have already happened. I was only yep. worried about what's gonna happen. So but now I have a real appreciation for history in old buildings and yep. you know in the in the the old world when we used to be able to travel around, I, I was very fortunate enough to get overseas a bit um with my wife and, and the kids and just immerse myself in the history and buildings and things like that. But mm. Now the opportunity to get out to my own country and look at the history of our rock formations and our deserts and our rivers and our coastlines, you know, there's, there's, there's rich history everywhere and I enjoy immersing in that now as well.
0: You know, one of the oldest rocks found on earth is in WA.
1: I did hear that, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and you can access that. There's a suburb in Perth called Canning. Do you know who he was?
1: He was, a stock, he was a
0: stockman, wasn't he, Kenny? No, the, he's got such a fantastic story. You, you, really, you really should uh, look up Alfred Wernham Canning and, because there's so many adventures that you could have with the family and kids tracing his footsteps.
1: Okay, I'll and, look into
0: that. And he is a Perth boy.
1: Yeah, giddy up. Well, he must be good looking.
0: Oh, absolutely, and tall. <laughs> fantastic moustache from memory. Yeah. Well, um... We're pretty close to the end now, mate. Awesome. Um, Any last minute advice for the young digger out there that's just getting out?
1: Um. Look, I think associations are really important. You know, just be mindful who you're hanging out with. You know, we're we're the, I think we're the the sum total of the, the five people that we hang out with most regularly, you know, and I'll be making sure that you're, surrounded by people that are lifting you, not pulling you down, would be one thing I'd be mindful of. And those people that are pulling you down may not be doing it out of malice, out of anything other than they feel a bit threatened by you growing and changing. Um, And for my first couple of years, I I hung out with some old um, military mates. Some were still serving that were still doing all the things that, that I shouldn't be doing anymore now that I was, you know, in civilian life, you know? And so I just had to remove myself out of there, grow to be that better person to go to that level I wanted to be so I yep. think choosing the right company is really important feeding this make make conscious choices about what you're putting in your ears and in your eyes and in your mouth yep. you know make really smart choices there's a saying that I, I coach people around is just because you can doesn't mean you should you know and that came from personal experience now so just because I can't afford to buy a four pack of, of bullet bourbon and a nice bottle of red wine and doesn't mean I should do that and drink it every night, you know, just because I can train hard at the gym than Dan Murphy's is next door. doesn't mean I should go there and Mm. buy, you know, just be mindful of your habits, mindful of what you're putting in, because all of that affects those little critters in our body, our mitochondria that just control everything and get them right. Everything else goes into into play. Um, And also be, again, I'll go back to that first thing I said is your best days are ahead of you getting out of the military is the next chapter and the book's getting better. The book is getting better, you know, and if you've had some struggles, don't be afraid to stick your hand up and get some help. That's okay. It's not that you're broken or anything like that. It just needs, we need to fine tune the car. Like you said, Goldie, I think that's that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, And just continue to learn, keep learning, keep reading, keep listening, get around good people Um, because the opportunities are there. Like, we're in the luckiest country in the world, and I don't say that flippantly. We've got everything we need to be successful in this country. There's libraries full of books, YouTube's full of training videos. There's people out there that want to help you. There's people out there that need help. So, you know, uh, and I'm sorry, I just want to go back to one thing that I didn't say earlier on, and it does tie into this. When I'm in my, when I was in my lowest moments, Was when I was so centered on me. I just kept thinking about me, poor me, and all this sort of stuff. As soon as I was able to break that thinking and focus on, well, okay, I've got this stuff going on. Okay, but how can I help someone else? How can I serve someone else? Um, The moment I was able to shift my focus to serving others, did I start? It helped me spiral the other way. And I get it. It's hard when you sometimes you're in that deep, dark, place and the black dog's right next to you barking its head off yep. in those moments yeah there's times where you're going to have to focus on yourself but sometimes to, that focus on yourself could mean how do I help someone else yep. which takes me this poor me thinking off of me and start serving again and start that spiral going the other way so um, that would be just something else I'd be thinking how can I help other people because by helping other people you end up helping yourself.
0: Yep. And, and for the veterans out there, there's so many different charities that you could be involved in from Soldier On, Mates for Mates, Red Six, Wounded Heroes, RSLs, Bike Clubs. It doesn't matter what they are. Take a bit of time out and volunteer for one of them, but don't mm. give too much of yourself.
1: Yep, yep, 100%. that has been great, mate. Really enjoyed the, uh, the catch-up today, Goldie.
0: It has. We'll, we'll go through the, the credits and then we'll talk some old stories afterwards.
1: Excellent.
0: If people want to reach out to Shane, I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, he wouldn't identify himself as a fly a high flyer, but he's done all right for a Lance Corporal. <laughs> this has been the Transition Podcast. I'm Trav, that was Shane. Hope you join us later on. Thanks for listening to the Milsim podcast. We're not sponsored directly by any business. So how does it exist? Because of a dedicated group of people who send me money on Patreon. Patreon is a way for me to pay for the cost of hosting and sharing this podcast on the internet and upgrading equipment as required. And you can get some perks if you're in Patreon. A few people pay a significant amount, but I'd like a bunch of people who like what we do to just pay $1 a month as they really help me with the algorithms I do shout out events and retailers, but they are all things I'm directly involved in running myself, or they're events or products I want to support in the community. You also won't be here running anyone down directly, but I will give feedback I think is constructive. You can also support me once off via PayPal if you don't like Patreon, or you can send me mail or products to review via Wounded Heroes at P.O. Box 73, Ellen Grove 4078 in Queensland. But please be aware I can't return review products unless you include full return postage. I thank you in advance for your anticipated support and I hope you're enjoying our podcast.